Hello, I'm Noelle Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank IBG. 2022 opened with a surge in COVID-19 cases. And over the weekend, there were news reports about a strain of the coronavirus called Delta Cron that combines the Delta and Omicron variants. In this podcast, as always on Mondays, we bring you a roundup of Maybank's best insights to prepare you for the week. So Jaime Ilias, our Group Chief Economist, moderates the discussion with the research teams on what investors need to focus on, what might continue or change from 2021, and some actionable ideas across key markets of ASEAN. 2022, and generally, equity market gave back gains in the early part of last week uh, to end the week lower. Uh, this is amid increases in bond yields. So for example, and in particular, the yield on 10-year US Treasury note touched 1.8%, the highest uh, level since uh, the start of the pandemic. Uh, This follows last Wednesday's release of minutes of FOMC meeting in December, uh, showing US Fed's policymakers are contemplating quantitative tightening of QT, as in reducing balance sheet size after the completion of QE taper that slows the expansion of uh, US Fed's balance sheet. Uh, U.S. interest rate hike is also expected to start as soon as March uh, this year, especially as uh, U.S. unemployment rate fell to 3.9%, lower than the uh, 4.2% uh, expected and near levels uh, that were last since just before the pandemic. All this underscore risk of Fed uh, getting more aggressive on monetary policy normalization. Uh, currently, we are... Uh, expecting 75 basis points per annum hikes in Fed fund rates in 2022 and 2023. Uh, uh, meanwhile, the uh, um, Omicron uh, variant of COVID-19 virus caused uh, new lockdowns in Hong Kong, including a two-week ban on uh, incoming flights from eight countries, including US and UK. Uh, this is as uh, US and Europe case uh, set new records. Uh, in France, daily cases soared above 330,000, prompting hospitals uh, to brace for a crisis. Um, in Italy, I think they ruled that all university staff and people above age 50 must be vaccinated. Spain makes mask wearing mandatory again, and the army was deployed uh, to help increase vaccination. Uh, however, most countries stopped short of imposing uh, lockdowns. Uh, in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the country could ride out the Omicron-driven wave of infections without further restrictions. Um, I think a key observation on current Omicron wave is that um, hospitalization, though rising, were apparently decoupling from uh, infections and the number of deaths remained uh, somewhat contained. Um, infection aside, inflation remains an issue in major advanced economies. Uh, for example, in uh, Eurozone, Um, inflation uh, accelerated to a record level of 5% in December, driven by surge in energy and food costs. But it was a mixed picture in ASEAN as per last week's release of CPI data for the month of November, December. Uh, We have picked up in Indonesia, but moderation in Thailand and and Philippines. Um, Over in China, the cash-strapped property developers, uh, which are grappling with liquidity squeeze due to housing slum, and high debt levels continue to make headlines. Uh, China Evergrande, the world's most indebted developers with over $300 billion in borrowing, said it would seek approval for a payment delay on one of its yuan-denominated bonds after meeting with creditors over the weekend. 
um, Shimao property failed to pay off part of the local loan after its creditor demand, demanded early repayment, uh, causing sell-off in its bonds and shares. Guangzhou RNF properties said it did not have enough funds to buy back a 725 million US dollar bond as the developer's asset sales failed to come through as planned. And uh, Kaiser Group is under pressure from local authorities to repay investors uh, of its uh, wealth management uh, products. And at the same time, I think uh, China's policy of zero COVID-19 tolerance continued with extended lockdown in the city of Xi'an and reimposition of travel restrictions in Shenzhen after two infections were detected. Um, for the first session of uh, this year, we have uh, been on ASEAN Micro, Marian Tan's on Thai and Vietnam equity market outlook and strategy. Kaushal will share his thoughts on ASEAN energy sector post-COP26. And we also have um, TJ Chiting and Chiwei to run through Malaysia's oil and gas and 5G as well as regional plantation. Um, starting off with Harbin, uh, Harbin, can you run through the key highlights from Singapore's flash estimate of fourth quarter uh, 2021 GDP? And as a result of that, are there any changes to Singapore's economic and policy outlook and look out for this year? Hey, morning, Swami. So Singapore's fourth quarter GDP um, surprised um, slightly on upside. The economy continued to recover, driven by a resilient manufacturing sector and improving services. So GDP expanded 5.9% in the fourth quarter. Um, and, um, and, that's, uh, and for the full year, that means GDP actually, actually expanded by 7.2%. Uh, that's slightly ahead of the government's estimate of around 7%. Uh, just bear in mind that uh, for the full year, manufacturing is the one that's been the you know, big driver. It's well above pre-pandemic levels, about 25%. Services is right at the pre-pandemic levels. Whereas construction is still well below. The final GDP numbers will actually come out in mid-February and we're looking for a further upgrade. The government tends to be a bit more conservative in the flash. In particular, we note that some of the, you know, the, the October-November re-export trade numbers are pretty strong. Uh, retail sales are also picking up. Uh, people movements to retail and recreation have improved in December as well. Now it's roughly about 5% below pre-pandemic levels. And um, I think with the rollout of the booster shots, uh, Singapore is well ahead of the other ASEAN countries, about 42% have received their booster shots. Uh, I think there will be some upside risk to the, to the final last year's GDP growth forecast. For this year, we're looking at 3.8%, slightly below the midpoint of the government's 3 to 5%. Again, I think uh, the engines of growth will switch around. More manufacturing is at a much higher base and there's um, parts that are running at full capacity, but services and construction should start catching up. Uh, one key highlight I want to highlight for Singapore's forecast is actually the, the interest rate forecast. Uh, we are now expecting the Fed to hike three times this year and another three times next year, in line with, I think, with the new dot plots. Um, so for Singapore three months, it is the most sensitive to the Fed forecast. So we're looking for three months cyber to rise to 0.98% essentially by the end of this, this year and to 1.52% by the end of next year. So that's a fairly uh, um, sharp 55 basis point increase for, for this year. MES will meet again in April uh, with inflation, I think, on the uptrend. And I think PM has already come out to say that the GST hike is most likely, you know, the budget will come up in mid-February. Um, I think inflation pressures will remain pretty intense. So we're looking for the MES to hike, uh, to tighten again in April, 
But and at this point, we not we do not rule out a more aggressive hike, meaning a double move, essentially possibly a recentering and a steeper slope as well. Hmm. Speaking of uh, um, interest rates, central bank's monetary policy, I think on Indonesia, House view is for Bank Indonesia to raise interest rates by 75 basis points this year, the most aggressive forecast among the in-house ASEAN's benchmark interest rate hikes for 2022 because you know for the likes of you know, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, I think we are pricing you know, looking at 25 basis point hike only this year in later part of 2022. So why is Indonesia's central bank interest rate policy outlooks different uh, than the rest of ASEAN? So for Indonesia, we decided to take a more hawkish stance, even though inflation was fairly well behaved uh, last year. Uh, bear in mind that in terms of recovery, Indonesia is second after Vietnam. You know, so it's actually well above uh, pre-pandemic levels. You know, and uh, the, the recession, or you call it, want to call it a recession, it wasn't very, it wasn't very deep. It was pretty shallow. Uh, for the December figures, you already see the inflation um, rising up. It was up 0.6% month-on-month. On a headline basis, it was up one9 and core is also inching up. So I think as a, it's probably going to surprise on the upside. Um, I think a lot of the prices in Indonesia are also you know, controlled administratively. Um, in particular, we're mindful that the retail fuel prices currently is 30% below global market prices. And we won't be surprised if there's some kind of adjustment in that, uh, in those, in that subsidy component uh, this year. Uh, just bear in mind that the VAT hike is also going to materialize in April. The VAT will be hiked from 10% to 11%. Um, and also electricity subsidies will be narrowed in the second half of the year to only the lowest 40%. So that's some of, some of that is going to go away and uh, you know, prices will rise on an energy-related component. Um, and I think that is really with the Fed um, tightening, just historically, the rupiah is the most sensitive to um, you know, dollar movements at the Fed rate hikes. And I think with the Fed really set to be a more, more aggressive, um, we're mindful that Bank Indonesia may have to tighten, you know, uh, as well to maintain the stability of the rupiah. So those are some of the factors that we think, uh, you know, will actually uh, prompt a BI to probably hike three times this year. Right. Um, thanks, Adlin. Uh, let's let's uh, switch here and move to equity market outlook for this year, specifically on Thailand and Vietnam. But uh, ladies first, uh, Maria, on uh, Thai equity market outlook, is this year going to be a better, weaker, or more of the same versus 2021? And for investors, uh, what are the major theme sectors and stocks uh, to put their money in? Yes, uh, good morning, uh, everyone, and Happy New Year. In 2021, the SED rose 14.4% year on year. It was the second best performing ASEAN in ASEAN in local currency terms. Corporate earnings growth was expected to land at 39%. Uh, as of nine months, the market earnings already 79% of our full year forecast. And this 39% is a rebound from the 33% contraction in 2020. In 2022, earnings growth is forecast at 17%, and this can support the market. So to answer, uh, equity market would be slightly better in 2021. As for what, where to put the money, 
um, two developments uh, that were very strong in the, in 2021 was uh, M&A that lead, uh, led to share price speculation and very um, high capital gains, especially in telco sectors and also in the asset management companies. The second is the IPO market. We had uh, 23 listings on the set and 18 in the MAI. At the IPO, this was valued at 454 billion baht. And by the end of the year, the average gain was 38%. So MA and IPO is still going to be present in 2022. In addition to that, uh, we have three themes that we are watching very closely. One is electric vehicle, the other is renewable energy, and then logistics. The EV is uh, moving forward in Thailand, but the action has been more on the commercial applications like buses, um, big trucks, delivery vans, and motorcycles. We are waiting for the final policy on the subsidy on EV to bring the price uh, in parity with ICE Auto so that migration in the passenger car uh, segment can begin. Uh, direct EV play is energy absolute, that is EATB, and the indirect ones are Siam Cement and PTT, uh, as well as the auto parts makers, uh, SAT and AH. Renewable is also something that could become interesting if the 2018 power development plan amendment is completed and released. Uh, in here, uh, we see the potential increase of uh, renewable capacity by 52%. So renewable play uh, are GPSC, BGRIM, and TPIPP. These are under our coverage. Those that we do not cover are WHAUP and ACE. Logistics is another area that could be quite interesting. And this is really anchored on the China-Laos high-speed railway and the change in the trade landscape brought about by RCIP that went live in January 1st. Our topic here is WISE, as it is ahead of competition, especially in the multimodal cargo services. And the other logistic plays uh, that could be interesting are Sonic and Carry Express. Uh, Maria, um, let's move on to Vietnam equity. Tan, um, after almost 40% gain last year, um, I guess the questions are similar to what's posed to uh, Maria earlier. I mean, basically, is Vietnam stock market is set for another bumper year this year? Mm. And what are the sort of major theme sectors and stocks for investors to you know uh, put their money on uh, in 2022? Uh, yeah, thank you. And... Uh... Well, yes, we have a very strong year last year for Vietnam, like uh, you say, uh, 36% upside. And it was driven by a very steady corporate earning growth of like 33% and uh, booming liquidity. The Vietnam's market liquidity you know, increased from like $300 million per day to $1.5 billion today, which is uh, the main drivers. So entering into 2022, we generally remain uh, a bullish view on the market. We think that the market still have chance to level up to around like uh, 1,800 points, which means about another 18% upside from the uh, today's level. And it's, it's continued, the two driver is uh, steady 
uh, EPS growth of 28%, which is still among the best in the region. And we expect the market liquidity can still be maintained on average around $1 billion per day. Um, you know, the government of Vietnam has uh, made timely response to control the COVID and we, we fully shifted from the zero COVID to live with COVID strategy. And the vaccination has been accelerated very fast. And by now, Vietnam has from, you know, from the bottom to, to be among the, uh, the top in the region in terms of vaccination coverage. And with this background, we expect that Vietnam would return to high growth trajectory in terms of GDP, like around 6.7 or 7% this year. And the government also launched the stimulus package to support the recovery. And we, uh, uh, we see that with this uh, sizable stimulus package, which focus on the infrastructure investment, and which also have to Vietnam to, to continue to attract FDI into the country, and it would, you know, uh, generally translate into better consumption and also for banking service. So these are the themes that we think uh, good would uh, see um, uh, that the investors should focus on, and will still uh, like the the uh, big sectors and and key sector in Vietnam like banks, retail, and energy for 2022. Uh, thank you. Let's move on to um, ASEAN energy sector. Uh, I think the our uh, regional energy team uh, issued a note uh, over the weekend. So, um, uh, Kausha, um, I, I basically have three questions uh, for you. First is, how has ASEAN energy sector performed post uh, COP26? Question two, are there key policy lookouts to expect across ASEAN this year? And third, uh, what are the actionable investment ideas uh, for ASEAN energy sector? Uh, what do you got, Yeah, hi, good morning, Sohami. So post-COP26, uh, the divergence in performance of the energy assets has been very clear. Uh, coal miners have signif significantly outperformed, uh, followed by oil and gas producers, and lastly, renewables. Uh, just to give you some numbers, the performance for November to December 2021 uh, Australian coal miners on average rose 7%, while oil and gas producers globally ranged between 1% to negative 4%, while renewables globally fell between negative 5% to negative 26%. Uh, the negative 26% was US renewables, which was a bit of an outlier. For ASEAN specifically, um, oil and gas producers rose around 1%, while renewables were down by 8%. So it, a, quite a similar trend to uh, the global uh, sort of uh, view. Uh, in 2022, I think it, it's going to be a year to watch out for. Uh, countries have agreed to revisit their NDC targets and come up with more ambitious targets for COP27, uh, which will take place later uh, in November this year. Um, so, and furthermore, they're also required to provide a detailed roadmap on how they will hit targets. So within the region, uh, both Thailand and Vietnam have their draft power development plan submitted for approval. Uh, documents will be finalized by end of 2022 or early 2023. Uh, the plans are greener in nature. Indonesia has also released its latest power plan in 2021, but we will see carbon taxes on coal-fired plants roll out in 2022, and we could see potential easing of fossil fuel subsidies, uh, which was promised in COP26. For Philippines, uh, Philippines will be tendering around two gigawatts of solar projects for 2022. Uh, we could also see a positive policy shift 
from Philippines as power stability in terms of coal-led outages have been a big concern in the last two years. And lastly, Malaysia is another country uh, that is, you know, it's the only country in the region that has raised its NDC targets. Uh, the solar auctions have been very successful uh, in terms of interest by lenders and investors with competitive tariffs. So we could see potentially more of these. Now, in terms of the actionable investment ideas, we have a couple. So we continue to believe that despite the disappointment uh, on COP26, the energy transition trend is clear. Uh, governments will look to close the emission gaps. Uh, policy will get more supportive and increasing amounts of capital will flow into the space. So companies that can add value to this future carbon neutral economy will benefit, whether it's in the form of renewables, energy management, trading services, EV ecosystem, etc. So from our universe, we like BCPG and GPSC from Thailand. Uh, BCPG has a 100% renewable portfolio, while GPSC has a strong positioning in both renewables and EV, EV ecosystem. From Malaysia, we like Cypark and SolarVest, which will see a strong pickup in renewable capacity. From Philippines, we like Aboid's Power and AC Energy. Uh, both are very well positioned to see, uh, to capture renewable growth in the country. Uh, in terms of the fossil fuels, we believe that gas will remain the transition fuel of choice, and it has a decent runway of growth. So we suggest avoiding uh, coal and oil heavy companies, but we prefer gas-based. So this includes PTTEP and PTT from Thailand, Petronas Gas from Malaysia, and Petro Vietnam Power from Vietnam. Right. Um, thanks, Abhikal. Um, let's uh, move on to uh, Malaysia oil and gas, uh, still, still within this sort of energy space. Um, TJ, um, I think Petronas releases its uh, activity outlook uh, for 2022 and 2024. So, I guess uh, almost natural question to ask is what's the key highlights from uh, uh, the activity outlook for the next three years and how does it compare with uh, PAO for 2021 and 2023? Thanks for me. Uh, morning. Uh, for Petronas, activity outlook, this is its uh, fifth edition. What we are seeing from this uh, latest edition is that uh, they have a three years outlook for, for 2022 to 2024. From for this year itself, what we are seeing is that uh, they are basically being cautiously optimistic. In terms of activity uh, for this year, it will be very similar to last year uh, based on numbers of activities and types of activities. But in terms of uh, subsector highlights, I think the drilling space will basically continue to do well. Uh, OSV uh, will see greater activities. Fabrication will be flat year on year. But I think uh, for the next two years itself, I think uh, Patras is more optimistic in terms of uh, what they plan to do, especially for 2024 itself, whereby there'll be uh, a sharp increase in terms of activities overall for this space. So all in all, I think uh, the, the likes of uh, Velasco, Icon Offshore, and uh, Wasion Per Se will basically benefit activities or look for malicious uh, domestic operations. Um, can you run through us again what's uh, sort of a Petronas CapEx plan over the next uh, few years in total, the value of CapEx? Okay, uh, in terms of uh, Petronas CapEx plans, uh, what they are planning is basically to spend about uh, 40 to 45 billion per year on average for the next five years. And basically this will encompass uh, all the 
uh, various activities going forward. But what we are seeing here is that uh, there'll be greater emphasis uh, for green energy investments, whereby uh, they have earmarked 9% of their capex uh, for, for these activities, which is, if you were to compare that against the peers in the market, I think uh, we are uh, Petron is basically uh, in a mean relation in the sense that they are not going to be the forefront in terms of spending much of their capex on renewables, but neither would they be the at the back in terms of spending on that segment itself. Right, thanks, TJ. Uh, um, still on sort of a commodity space, so to speak. Uh, cheating um, can update us on you know, the plantation sector developments in the quarter that just uh, ended. Morning, Suhaimi. So in fourth quarter, CPO price uh, has averaged higher to a record high, uh, 5,171 ringgit per ton. This was uh, 53% higher uh, than a year ago, and even quarter and quarter, it was 17% higher. The recent high prices are in part supported by fear of supply disruption. And due to, this is due to sporadic flooding across Malaysia since December. And we understand new losses have been manageable so far. Uh, compensated by high, higher CPO price. However, the sector is still not out of the woods as the current rainy season is forecasted to last till uh, March of uh, this year for some, as, for some states. Any subsequent wave of floods or any prolonged flood could severely damage the infrastructure and further disrupt operations. Uh, nonetheless, we do think that due to the high prices in fourth quarter, growers' earnings prospect would be good uh, in, in the fourth quarter, the higher price should more than compensate for uh, weakness in any weakness in quarter-on-quarter -quarter output. And the heavy rainfall in fourth quarter also meant that costs will be contained as fertilizer activities are curtailed. Um, Chiting, weather aside, um, are there any updates on the foreign worker situation in the sector? Yeah, so... Um, so based on our channel checks, the foreign workers are still not back in the country, uh, even though the government has given its approval in principle uh, sometime in October last year. Uh, we understand the government now is working on a G2G level to expedite the situation. So hopefully we should see more workers coming back uh, from uh, by the end of this quarter or, or early part of uh, second quarter. So you are staying positive on the sector, despite you know uh, lower ASP this year and the fact that last year we saw the divergence between CPO price and sector share price performance. So question is why? And on that note, which plantation counters do you think will do well in 2022? I think 2022, 2022 can still spring surprises, even though we do acknowledge that 2021's record high CPO price of about 4,400 ringgit per ton may not be... Uh, repeated in 2022. Uh, in fact, the market has never deemed the present high prices of above 5,000 ringgit per ton to be sustainable. Now, in general, the market, the sector suffered from a lack of interest last year on several factors. One is a number of companies or planters did not fully benefit from the high CPO prices in the first nine months due to earlier forward sales lock-in and lower prices. And then there was also Indonesia's high export taxes uh, on growers in first half of last year, as the net CPO price was kept at 3,000 ringgit per ton compared to 4,000 ringgit per ton of spot pricing in Malaysia. Uh, uh, and there's also earlier political uncertainties in Malaysia, with state of emergency declared between January and August 
last year and subsequently the one-off Chukai Makmo and foreign source income announced during budget 2022, which weighed down on broader market sentiment and fi finally uh, ESG concentration. I think some of these events that happened in 2021 will not repeat in 2022. For a start, forward sales in 20, into 2022 appear to be much lesser, meaning companies are going to be able to enjoy higher spot pricing. While the market, uh, including our house, is worried about global supply recovery uh, this year, uh, and, and, and hence the stockpile turning ample in 2022 from a tight situation last year, there is still much uncertainty in this thesis. The supply risk will be driven by three immediate factors, weather, fertilizer supply, and also labor. Now, Lanina has been confirmed. As we all know, flood is, is in Malaysia last month. But over in South America, uh, industry experts are now looking to cut the all seeds outlook as we speak due to a drought situation there. And global fertilizer price, uh, supplies remains disrupted. Uh, following the export restrictions imposed by Russia and China and US sanctions on Belarus. So planters are likely to have to miss their 2021's uh, fertilizing target while unsure if they are able to secure sufficient fertilizers for 2022. And uh, fertilizer prices have more than doubled or even tripled uh, recently. And, and this may cause some planters to cut back, especially smallholders, to cut back or defer their fertilizer application in 2022. Uh, likewise, uh, we we still worried about Omicron, uh, whether the countries will tighten borders again, and again, uh, possibly delaying the arrival of the, our, the much-needed 32,000 foreign workers into Malaysia. Without the much-needed workforce, palm oil yield in Malaysia may again be below potential in 2022. As for stock picks, we prefer small to mid-caps uh, as they are attractively priced. Uh, merger and acquisitions activities will remain robust for 2022. And our preferred buys are Sarah All Pumps and Buster Plantations. And for large cap, uh, Kuala Lumpur Kepong. Thanks, Chiting. Um, Chi Wei, um, regulatory uncertainty is back for Malaysia's utility sector, specifically power and telcos. Um, can highlights what are the developments and, and what should investors do in light of these uh, developments? Sure, Suami. So, a couple of uh, notable events recently. Uh, firstly, you have the communications minister announcing that the cabinet is reviewing the 5G rollout model. That's a, essentially a potential flip-flop. Recall Malaysia had in early 2021 decided on a single government-owned 5G network. The second event was uh, essentially the regulator announcing that uh, tariffs, electricity tariffs will be maintained into 2022 until further notice. Uh, after the government had decided to delay both the new base tariff as well as the pass-through surcharge. So this essentially places the stability of the Naga's earnings at risk. Now, given uh, this elevated uncertainty, I think stocks in both uh, utilities and telecom sectors are unlikely to outperform. So avoid or be selective, perhaps uh, focusing on stocks with superior standalone fundamentals like uh, TM. Uh, thanks. Um... Anyway, I mean, just very briefly, can you share with us again the existing Malaysia's 5G capex target and rollout plans? And is the review of the 5G model like a storm in a teacup or a real spanner being thrown into the wheels? Sure. Uh, DNB had estimated the total rollout cost at about 16.5 billion ringgit over a 10-year period, of which uh, network-related stuff amounts to about 12.5 billion ringgit. 
Uh, in terms of uh, rollout targets by end 2021, we have had some coverage in KL, Putrajaya and Cyberjaya. By end 2022, uh, coverage should be expanded to major state capitals. Uh, on the review as well as the model, uh, now this, uh, this model of a single government-owned network is a big deal to the mobile telcos. So if you imagine in 10 years time, when 4G becomes obsolete, uh, mobile telcos would become mere retailers. So telcos indirectly are uh, you know, losing value uh, to the uh, DNB, which is why mobile telcos are still fighting uh, up to today. In terms of end game, uh, one would think that uh, the government would maintain this uh, DNB-led model since uh, DNB had already hired staff as well as uh, had signed all the equipment contracts. Uh, but we'll see what transpires officially when the government makes this announcement. So that's a wrap uh, for this week. Uh, have a good, safe and productive uh, weekend for that matter, 2022. Bye all. That was Suhami Ilyas, Group Chief Economist with the research teams. For specific advice on information that was discussed, speak to your trading rep and check out Market Insights on the Maybank Trade app or contact our sales desk. I'm Noelle Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank IBG. 